Hi, everyone. Welcome to Just Mental Health with Steph and M, the podcast where we discuss mental health issues from a social justice lens. I'm Emily. And I'm Stephanie. A quick disclaimer before we get started. We are mental health professionals, but this is not to be taken as professional advice. We are also aware that our privilege may cloud our perspective on some topics, and we not only welcome but encourage you to message us with criticism and correction. Let's get started. So our business of the week this week is a new book by author Andy Eisenberg called All the Things I See. And we also have a guest, and the guest happens to be Andy Eisenberg himself. Yay. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't you tell us about your book? All right. Well, uh, you know, the book is, uh, simply put kind of just a day in the life of, uh, a dog really, <laughs> um, just kind of all the, all the things that he sees and all the, uh, you know, stuff that he, uh, enjoys with his family and, uh, the loved ones around him. And it's a children's book, right? It is. It is. Yeah. It's kind of geared towards, uh, you know, kind of younger three to five, six kind of range. Cool. Um, what what made you want to write this? This is your first book, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually never, you know, planned to write a book at all. Um, although something writing is something that I do like to do. Um, this idea kind of just came to me on a whim. Um, actually, it was uh, a Tuesday. Actually, <laughs> um, a very slow day. And uh, one afternoon, I just kind of laid down next to the dog. And, uh, you know, we were hanging out and of course I was talking to him, uh, and, uh, asking him, so, you know, Hey, what are you seeing? What's out there? You know, you see the cars and, uh, people walking and birds and thought to myself, huh, this, this could be a children's book. And, uh, I literally turned around, grabbed my laptop and, uh, we being the dog and myself, uh, wrote a children's book. The dog helped. Oh, of course. hundred percent of the source of my inspiration. <laughs> cool. No, that's awesome. Um, so our, our topic, you know, tying, tying this into our topic is how pets can help mental health. And this is going to be an interesting discussion for me because I have never had a pet, but I'm getting a cat as soon as um, she no longer has a ringworm. Um, so I'll get to learn a lot from you guys. Um, but yeah, so your dog Stanley yeah. has helped you. So he inspired you to write this book and he's, he's helped you a lot with your mental health as well. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Um, no, I've, uh, I've kind of struggled with, uh, you know, anxiety, depression, uh, you know, all that stuff my whole life. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of being a proponent of, uh, you know, just working on, on yourself in any, any way that you can. I've, uh, learned that, um, the dog is kind of, you know, like a, a friend or a family member and, uh, you know, not that they can replace those, but, uh, you know, they, they certainly act as that and, um, you know, hanging out with him, especially during a uh, pandemic has, uh, been great. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, even been somebody to talk to. So uh, it's really good to, uh, you know, go on walks with him and take him to the park and uh, seeing the joy in, in him really, uh, you know, 
uh, is, is felt uh, in, in my personal day as well. So, you know, when I take him for a walk and uh, see his little tail wagon or anything that, uh, that gets me excited and, and that just, uh, you know, increases, uh, you know, the happiness in my day, so to speak. That's the, that's the cool thing about pets, especially when you have like depression or, or any sort of mental health <clears throat> disorder that is that you tend to isolate, you tend to not practice the self-care that you need. Pets, um, I always say this to my clients when they, you know, when they, I talk about like, what's your reason for getting up every day? What's your reason for still living? And a lot of times they say, because I'm worried about who would take care of my animals. And I'm like, yeah, so your pets are the reason why you get up. Like you don't want to take care of yourself, but you want to make sure they're okay. So if they need to go for a walk, you'll go for a walk, which is good for you too. You know, if they need to eat or they need their water changed or they're wherever you're keeping them clean, um, you know, then you, that's still good for you because you're moving, you're involved and you have something to take care of. And so in that way, pets can be really helpful in getting people through times when they don't even wanna wake up or get up or do anything. Yeah, a few times, actually, uh, I found myself over quarantine kind of jokingly saying, uh, I wish I had kids just because, you know, they, they give me something to, to a sense of, you know, responsibility of something to look after, take care of someone, to, you know, play with. And uh, I felt in many cases, now, absolutely not the same having a dog and having a kid. <laughs> um, there are a couple of uh, small, you know, kind of crossovers there and, um just, you know, them being around and, uh, and the, the care that you do have to take, uh, take after them. Yeah. I think like, I, I would disagree only in that. I think your pets can become like that for you if you don't have kids. Um, you know, cause not everybody, not everybody has kids. Not everybody can have kids. Not everybody wants to have kids, you know? Sure. So, but these beings living beings with their own personalities are still dependent on you you still you know provide them structure and correction and the things they need um and and you bond in a way they're like children that never age because <laughs> like you know they're just they're not gonna get they're, they're stuck at the level they're at like you're not they're not gonna grow up and and leave the house so I don't know in a way maybe <laughs> that's a little selfish but it's nice um <laughs> No, Stanley's going off to college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. We always you've thought about that before. Yeah, we always joke. So we are crazy cat people. Um, me and my husband. Well, I grew up with dogs my whole life. That that was all. I had dogs, and we had birds, and guinea pigs, and hamsters, and my sister had a rabbit at one point. And um, so we always had a lot of pets, but. Um, when I moved into my own apartment, I got a cat um, and I'd never had a cat before because my mom is allergic to them. And I was like, not sure if I was going to like it because I'd never had a cat before. But, you know, now, years later, me and my husband have eight cats. Eight? Um, I thought had seven. No, we have eight. <laughs> four boy cats, four girl cats. And they're all like rescues. They've all come up from either we rescued them like they were born from strays and or they came up from the woods like somebody abandoned them 
and they've just stuck <laughs> around. <laughs> Sorry. They're, they're, no, they're our foster kids. Like they yeah, no, actually, we actually adopted, <laughs> adopted a cat that was in our, that was born in our backyard when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what happens, you know, like their their mom was not around to take care of them anymore. So like they view me as their mom and my husband as their dad. And it, they really do have a relationship with us that's more like we are, we're their caregivers, you know, we're their owners, but we're also, they think of us as like family and they try to groom us. You know, you know what I mean? Like they do the, the behaviors that they, that they do with their mom, where they like, um, call them making biscuits where they're like massaging on the mom. They do that when they go to, they Isn't go that's so endearing with us. Huh? Yeah, it is. I know that the, like dogs occasionally, like if they like nestle up on you or put their yes. ears, you know, like where they can hear your heartbeat. I always love that. Yeah. Or they lick your, your chin, which is a, yeah. a, a trait from, you know, wolves, um, to show that they, they recognize you as the alpha. Um, My um, ex-boyfriend's cats would, like, they could always tell when something was wrong. And they would, yes. like, come over and, like, huddle you. Mm-hmm. Like, they just had a way of knowing if you were upset about something. Yeah. Yeah. That's animals. I didn't live with this um boyfriend but i would imagine like living with like having an animal there all the time that can just sense your mood and will just give you love you know it sure it does a lot for your mental health yeah It, it does like andy when you were saying like you know during this whole pandemic and during lockdown um people that live alone, I'm sure had a really, really hard time. Um, and so, but you know, if you, if you had pets, that was, that was some company and it is nice that to have them there, if you're home all the time, they can kind of break up the routine and, you know, they, they, you do talk to them. I mean, I know it sounds like weird, but if you have pets, if you're, if you love your pets, like people get it, like, you talk to them like they can understand you. They have their own personalities and yeah. their own likes and dislikes. Some, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you just need to talk and uh, they're in here. <laughs> yeah, and they can't tell anyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but you're exactly right that, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, experienced, you know, like I said, like taking them to park, taking them on walks and everything, just like, brings happiness to my day, but, uh, just having them around, you know, just the presence, uh, really just, you know, especially in this pandemic and living by myself has really, really helped. And, uh, so Emily, hope you get a cat. That's the plan. <laughs> I have her picked out and named and everything. Yeah. It'll be like, I feel like it'll be my cat niece. Like I'll be excited <laughs> for you to have it for you to get a cat. Cause <laughs> do I have eight cat nieces? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm not um, a pretty good aunt to them because I say how they annoy me whenever I'm at your at your place. Well, but they are annoying, but you still te- you still took care of them. So that I really appreciate that. She had cat sit for me a few times. Um, but they are annoying. I mean, that's that's the other thing, like 
their they have their own quirks too so like they can really they can be really frustrating sometimes like um especially when you have several of them that like you know that are always getting into trouble together and stuff but I think that's just part of the territory I mean kids are frustrating too so and people love them and um yeah so but I want to know so you wrote this book and um can you without giving away too much of the story because we we obviously want people to read it themselves yeah yeah but kind of tell us about um sort of the the plot like it's from the perspective of a dog yeah it's um you know he he gets up in the morning and kind of starts his day with uh with that happy mentality and uh, that adventurous first foot forward um and he uh we kind of just narrate as the day goes on the uh you know things he sees um and you know the various events in the day that the family really is uh is taking place in and whether it's going for a walk with the mom or uh you know getting uh, getting excited uh when the kid and uh comes home from school and he's gonna play with his family um just all those little points in the day that remind you to find those little happy moments and to hold on to them and really love them mm-hmm. is that um like was that kind of i think i saw um maybe like in the description that it was like part of the lesson was like love and and right that's like a part of the lesson you're trying to yeah yeah I actually uh wrote a little note to uh to the readers and families at the beginning um just you know remembering that uh you know love and and happiness is uh you know is important and uh all we can do is is uh love and be kind and that's uh just a, just an important reminder that uh, I think we can all eat every day. Cause that's so dog-like. <laughs> I mean, right. dogs are just so like. They're such a simple example of. Yeah. What we want. <laughs> yeah, cause Loyalty, I have dogs that, huh? Loyalty, happiness, you know, all right. that. Um, I had a dog staying with me for four days and I never thought like the friend who I was dog sitting for was like, oh, you'll be a dog person after this. And I was like, no, I won't. I'm not going to be a dog person. And I fell in love with this dog because it's like he was so happy to see me when I got home and like he's always just there and he always was just showing so much love and it's like they don't care like they'll they love everyone. And they just, they'll, they become loyal, like, so quickly, like, they just, it's just, it's like a true form of unconditional love, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and yeah, most of them, I think when you get the ones that obviously have, like, been abused or had, um, and and that's with anything, you know, if they've had their trauma, they're gonna, they might take a little longer to trust, but it's, amazing to see animals that have been abused or just gone through some really horrible things and had really bad experiences with people 
will still trust people later. They, they learn how to do that again. And they kind of give us the benefit of the doubt. Um, yeah, that was actually one thing that I loved um, adopting my dog, Stanley, um, from a shelter uh, here in Chicago. Um, he, he had a lot of trust issues at the beginning, obviously. Um, he had a lot of uh, physical signs of you know, abuse and neglect uh, as well. But um, to watch that, that trust develop you know, um, and go beyond anything over the years that you know, he's crying when I'm not hugging him right now um, is just, it's amazing to see. Yeah, that, that relationship is, is really special. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what kind of dog is Stanley? Um, yeah, so Stanley is, uh, I guess for, for common, common terms, the pit bull, uh, mm -hmm. which is actually not a breed, really. He's mm -hmm. um, an American Staffordshire Terrier, which is um, it's a little funny story about the, uh, the pit bull breed. Back in the day, it was um, dogs that were bred with American bulldogs for uh, size and strength with uh, terriers for scrappiness were bred to fight, unfortunately. Um, and where they would fight would be actually in pits, giving the, the name to these dogs, these nicknames of pit bulls. Um, so this whole breed kind of, uh, you know, bull terriers and, and pit bull terriers and pit bull, you name it, um, have all kind of just took and taken this uh, as a derogatory kind of name, if you will, of uh, pit bulls. Um, but, it's uh, it's unfortunate because they get a bad rep, a bad uh, bad reputation. People think that uh, they're a mean breed, but uh, they're not. They're actually um, like a uh, American Kennel Club or something uh, ranked them like fifth friendliest breed um, of all uh, recently. So it's a, they're the nanny dog actually, as some say online. They're great, right. with, great with families. So uh, I've been surprised. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I did not know about sort of that that was a derogatory term um, for the dog, but it makes a lot of sense because, yeah, and it's not even a breed. So it's not even accurate when you're talking about um, who and what the dog is. But, um, you know, we've seen a lot of legislation in different places, depending on where people live, um, where they'll ban pit bulls, you know, quote unquote, um, sort of just, I'll use that just for the whole, um, for every, every breed that falls under that category, but they ban them because they, they say they are aggressive, um, or dangerous. And a lot of places won't even let you rent, um, if, if you have a pit bull, which is really unfortunate, um, because yeah, every at least every pit bull I've met has been extremely friendly and loves kisses and just wants attention all the time. So speaking of which, here he comes. Oh, he's yeah, gonna join us. Collar <laughs> <her> around. <laughs> yes, he is always always craving attention and being near people. And now he just sat down next to me and he's just content to yeah. get here facing the door, I guess, uh, protecting me while mm -hmm. I work. <laughs> it's so like, unfortunate that the, the reputation is that believed that they would like 
not allow them like apartment buildings wouldn't allow you to have them and yeah the uh the breed specific legislation uh, yeah. in various states is quite unfair but uh, as we're seeing a lot of states are slowly um abolishing those rules which is fantastic <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he got excited there. I could hear him. <laughs> He's shaking out the itchies. He's got a lot of allergies this breed as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, with the short fur especially. Um, yeah, I think, it would. you know, I saw something a while ago, so I can't get super specific about all the information, but it was talking about how... Um, sort of the different breeds that have been <clears throat> demonized um, have changed over time. And like at one point, like German shepherds were the ones that everyone was like, oh, they're aggressive. They're not family dogs. And like now the like German shepherds are like amazing. They're extremely smart. They're very much, you know, family oriented and they're great work dogs too. I mean, a lot of people use them. They're probably one of the most common dogs, at least that I've seen that people have used as like service animals. Um, yeah, they amaze know. me. I mean, oftentimes I see them out at parks or something and just their obedience and, and there's, plus their like skills, you know, of course you've seen them you know, as police dogs and such, mm -hmm. uh, athleticism and you know, rescue abilities and such. Yes, yeah, they are. and And, and, you know, and they're so sweet. I mean, it, oh, yeah. so, but, and then also like Doberman and Rottweilers have also had their, uh, their moment of people, you know, sort of villainizing them. And I think pit bulls are just the most recent ones and it will kind of go in a, in a phase. Um, they'll find another breed to, you know, get all upset about and really, people who have dogs and who have had those breeds know that it's not the breed. It's how the owner trains or brings up that the dog. owner. It's the environment. I mean, they have, they have traits that, you know, there's a name for it, but they have like characteristics that can essentially be taken both ways. I mean, mm -hmm. It's like, like a superhero, you know, they're going to get, take something that enhances whatever it is, whether it's the good or the bad, you know? And, uh, for, you know, the, you know, my American Staffordshire Terrier here, little Staffy, um, he's, uh, you know, very loyal. So he's loyal to me. He's extremely, you know, kind to me, fantastic. But, you know, if we can play around and mess around with somebody and maybe think that we're fighting, he might get a little aggressive towards, you know, someone who might be doing harm to me. Um, it's just one of those traits that can really go both ways. And unfortunately, you know, put them in a bad neighborhood and uh, they might be uh, protecting someone in a positive way, but it could appear negative. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and some of that is, you know, very much how the dog has been socialized. And some of it is also like how people have been socialized to treat and interact with dogs. They don't know, like there's so many people in this really, gets on my nerves because it's so dangerous that we'll go up and interact with a dog 
mm-hmm. without that they don't know without talking to the owners first. And then of course, who is at fault? Then they blame the dog. That's like, you know, <laughs> first of all, like you wouldn't go up and just like pet a random person or you shouldn't um, because you don't know how they might react. Like why are like, don't do it to a dog. Like funny story actually on that. I I've gotten lucky that uh, Stanley's really, really friendly. Like I kids in the neighborhood have to kind of run up to him. Like, you know, kids that kind of mm-hmm. poke him in the eyes and, you know, scratch their face. And stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, he's totally fine with them. But when I first got him, a friend of mine's mom, actually told me she's like try like doing some things that a kid would do to kind of test out and check it out before and you know like she suggested to pull on his tail mm-hmm. while he was like eating the uh, food like you know just in case a kid were to come by and you know do something that they thought was like funny or something and you know don't want the, them to snap at the kid so I was like oh my gosh I was terrified you know check this out but nothing no response he was just great you know no no worries or anything you know no to not territorial and just such a sweet dog and like I said you know so when I have those scary moments when the kid comes up to me in the street you know like you said without you know asking anything just runs up to the dog he's you know what looks like an aggressive dog and luckily he's very very sweet but yeah I get that fear a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's just smart like I don't want anything to accidentally happen to the dog or to the kid, um, or to, you know, whoever's petting the dog, but yeah, I can understand I think, that. Um, sorry, we're gonna cut, <laughs> cut each other off. Were you done with what you were saying? No, I'm done. You go ahead. Yeah. Well, that just, um, that's another, um, thing that people tell me about having a dog. And if I'm ever like out with someone and their dog is that people talk to you, like kids come up to you and like, people will just be like, Oh, like what's your dog's name? And, and it helps you like meet people Mm -hmm. and socialize, which is also good for your mental health. It's another way that it. Yeah. Mental health. I actually met, um, I met some neighbors, uh, just from like going to the park with the dog. Um, you know, one person, the dog actually went up to their dog. So I would not have talked to this person otherwise. (laughs) Um, obviously, you know, went over there and their dogs and we're chatting and turns out this uh they lived on my block and you know so kind of walk past each other and say hey every now and then um and then you get kind of those park park locals um we've, we've taken them to the park every now and then and uh we see the same people so we kind of have made friends and it's, uh i would say it's it's not like forced but you know forced friends but it's uh friends that i wouldn't have made otherwise if i wasn't you know taking them to the park or something so it's, it's pretty cool yeah Right. So it helps with the, like people who live alone or especially during the pandemic, like have it just having a pet in general, but then also it, it, uh, breeds conversation with, with other people. Those things that you like already have to do, or like are already going to do with the dog, you know, I'm going to take him for a walk. I'm going to maybe take him to the park or go to the pet store or something. All of those places, pretty much in my opinion or in my experience there have been some sort of interaction with people um whether it's just oh cute dog or like oh my gosh I had one of those when I was a kid let Mm -hmm. me tell you some stories or something it's yeah it's just that added little uh bonus in your day yeah people people love to talk about their pets and so that is you know a good conversation starter 
for just a tip out there for anyone. Um, if you want to talk to somebody, but you don't know what to say, talk about your pets or ask them about their pets because people like to talk about that. And that'll definitely open the conversation. And I'm, I'm one of those people that I can't, I can't not say hi to the dog. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to go up and just touch it. Obviously I'm, I'm going to ask and make sure that's okay. But if I see the dog and we make eye contact, I'm going to be like, Hey, the other day I found myself smiling and waving to a dog in the backseat of a car. Right. Yes, of course. That's it. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So interesting. I see a dog and I'm just like, oh, I notice a dog just like I notice like a person. Like I know they're there, but I'm not paying any attention to them. They're just there. Like <laughs> And then I'm with people and they're like, oh my God, look at the dog. And I'm like, okay, let's get back to like our conversation. I, I was telling, so like, I was telling you a story and you just got distracted by the dog. I don't know, but I get it. Like if you have a dog, it's just, I know it's just cause I've never had a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if I had one, I would feel the same way. Yeah, I'm sure you would. I, it really does change when you become a pet owner. And you're like a part of that club now of people <laughs> that are obsessed with their pets. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think one of the important things to just kind of address, like with how wonderful pets are and all of the mental health and social and physical benefits they can provide for people, you know, there's a lot of responsibility with owning a pet, any pet. And sometimes people are not up for that when they get them. Um, So then of course you see a lot of animals that are then abandoned. Like a lot of our cats that we got were abandoned. Um, Or like, you know, that they go back to the pound or the pet store or something because people are not always prepared for the fact that, you know, yeah, it's great when it's a puppy, but it it is going to get bigger, it is going to grow older, they do have health issues, they do have behavior issues that you have to work out, like, and they cost a lot of money, like, pets are expensive, Um, I don't know if you've ever, like, if you've known people sort of like that, that have had to give up their pets. Um, My brother, actually, unfortunately, he, uh, he was uh, one of the, one of the many who, uh, after college and starting to get a job and starting to, you know, get his life together with, hey, you know, let's get a dog and decided to get a puppy. And, uh, you know, so cute and brought him a lot of joy. And, uh, you know, he just kind of started to realize that he didn't have the time that he thought he had and that he realized the dog needed. Um, and it's, uh, it's one of those situations where you think you know what, you know, you'll need to prepare for, um, but you really don't know at all until you're in that situation. Um, and he kind of, you know, unfortunately got a little uh, in too deep and uh, realized that, you know, the dog was not the best situation for him. But luckily, um, he knew some people who were looking for a dog. So it was an easy transition there, a great family. Um, the dogs, you know, had a great life and uh, still around. So that's, uh, it's fantastic. So. Yeah, I think that's sort of best case scenario when you can find a home for them that you know it's going to, because then it, it definitely is better. But that's the rare the case, yeah. unfortunately, you know. Yeah, a, a lot not of everyone the, can do that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, kind of kind of perhaps what you're alluding to, you know, a lot of, a lot of people um, do, 
you know, uh, embark upon this, this journey that, you know, they think they're ready for. And it's, it's just too much responsibility to take on and they have to give up the dog and they don't have the best, uh, situation for it. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, people make poor decisions with, you know, their pets, uh, you know, in, in a, maybe a positive scenario, a shelter might pick somebody up. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, in Stanley's case, there was actually an overcrowding at the shelter. Um, and you know, that happens often and there's just too many people who just can't take care of their dogs and they, uh, you know, are unfortunately left on the street. And, you know, if the dogs are lucky enough, you know, to be picked up and taken inside and be, you know, sheltered, you know, there's only a finite amount of space. Like we think of pets as what they can give us. And I remember I was having this conversation with you, Stephanie, and you said, it's a reciprocal relationship. They're there to give you love and affection. You're there to give them love and affection. And that like blew my mind. Like I had, like, I forgot that like, I have to give the cat love and affection back. Um, but, um, but that does sort of come more natural. I think for most, like that's, you don't always think about that because when the cat's loving you, you kind of start to love the cat, you know, it becomes a little bit easier, but, but yeah, like it is something to be aware of. Like it, that's, you're, you've committed for their lifetime, Mm -hmm. you know, um, at least it should be, it doesn't always work out that way. And it's sad. and, And sometimes it's a better option to rehome them, but that's very rare. Um, And we get a lot out of, um, like, when we're able to give love to someone else, going back to the mental health piece, like, that that does good for our own mental health. Like, when we show love to, we meaning, like, the general, I don't know from experience, but I would assume when we give love to our pets, we feel happy because we're, we know that we're, like, spreading love. You know, like when you're taking care of someone you love, it brings you joy. It brings you, you know, like we talked about earlier, that sense of purpose, that sense of if there's nothing else that I feel like I want to get out of bed for today, I have to feed my pet. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I certainly, from my own experience, agree with that. You know? um, and even the... Uh, like I said, the kind of uh, unforeseen moments, you know, like you just give them a, got to say it quietly, but give them a treat, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just get so happy and then that just makes you happy. But yeah. then, you know, loving, you're right, loving someone, caring for someone, it, it makes you feel good. And um, then you get those other moments that, you know, make you feel good as well. It's, uh, it's, it's a great package. And we do know from, you know, just, like the studies that they've done that um, people that have pets, you know, have, they're, they do a little bit better as far as their health and their mental health, they're stress relievers. They, um, yeah, they can help people with their anxiety. Um, I think like petting a dog or petting a cat, you know, is like sort of a natural, like uh, antidepressant, anti-anxiety in a way. 
they can be very grounding. So what I see a lot with, I have, I have quite a few clients that have service animals for their mental health issues. And um, what I see that those animals can do a lot is ground that person. And so when we talk about grounding um, in like the clinical sense, it's to bring someone back to the present if they're having like a flashback or a panic attack or disassociating in some way, which a lot of mental health illnesses can cause people to do. Um, the pet is a good way for them to ground by, you know, it putting pressure on them, laying on them, licking them. The sensory piece. The sensory petting, yeah. smelling, talking to the, to the pet. Yeah, that's always a grounding it's, thing. Mm -hmm. in like, so. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I'm always fascinated by all of you know what I mean in my experience of all of what dogs can uh, can sense in people and do for people. That's uh, quite amazing, just you know, and hearing examples like that as well. Yes, it's pretty cool to see in the session when um, you know the client is. You can tell they're getting they're getting aroused in some way, like it, their anxiety is high or they're getting sort of um, like the fight or flight trigger, like, especially when you're doing like trauma work, sometimes that can happen and you have to have things in the session that can help them remain present and stay calm and feel safe. And when they have a service animal, it makes my job so much easier because the, the animal does it for them. And the animal can a lot of times clue me in into how they're feeling before I can even know, you know, before I can even check in and be like, where are you right now? How, you know, how is your anxiety? Before I can even ask that, the dog is letting me know because the dog is pawing or, or licking or, or walking, you know, pacing or something to get that person's attention. And so it's just a really great therapy tool um, for people. I think service animals are just awesome um, at, at what they can do. Like you said, what dogs can do uh, is pretty incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was interested to hear, cause I have never worked with clients with a service animal. Um, so I wasn't interested to hear your experiences. Cause I would imagine, you know, I mean like what you're, I mean, and just like, animals just like give people like a calming presence you know they they make people happy um so if nothing else it's like they get to see a dog for an hour a week you know like I mean know. yeah that does that does make the session a little bit better like I talk to the dog when it comes in I say goodbye it greets me it, it gives me a little sniff you know it knows where my office is Oh, that's I was thinking it was your dog. Like, oh. because sometimes the therapist has the dog, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. For if it's a therapy dog. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the therapist will have an animal, um, typically a dog in the room that can provide that for people. Um, we don't have any therapy dogs in our practice, but anymore we did at one point, but they, they've left. Um, but my clients have service dogs that are trained specifically for their disorder. So like one client in particular, he has PTSD and the dog is trained to help him with that. And um, 
we're, I just, I love that session every week because mostly because of the dog. No, he's cool too, but the dog is great. And um, it, it is cute to, to get to see that. And it just makes the um, environment a little different when there's an animal present. So, yeah. Do you guys think that pets can ever have a negative impact on your mental health? That's a good question. Because I have one client who um, I actually see both of them. Their husband, they're married, but I see both of them. I see both of them separately. And they both, in their respective sessions, talk about how this dog causes them so much stress. A puppy. But they're like, we love the puppy, but oh my God, he's driving us crazy. Like, they brought this up multiple times and how this puppy is causing them so much stress. Mm -hmm. they're like but we also love him so I'm I don't know I don't know if like how I would judge do they have kids no (laughs) so that's a good practice for them if they want kids I mean because imagine having like a newborn the kind of strain that that puts on parents and, and on a relationship sometimes it you know sometimes people will have a child and then be like I think I want to leave my spouse and really they just are just stressed because it's a lot to take care of. And I think the puppy is kind of a good practice in that way. Like it's sort of like, um, it's one of those things, like if you're remodeling a house is like similar, like either it makes your relationship really strong or it ends the relationship because it puts your, it just puts so much stress on you. Um, So yeah, I can totally see how that could be a negative if it's not worked out with them if they're not able to manage that I don't I don't what do you think Andy I mean my my first thought goes towards kids and thinking you know (laughs) oh wow it's you know so much work at the beginning but you know then they grow up and you know look at all all the great stuff and all the great times and um it's a it certainly can be overwhelming though and I can definitely understand how it can uh kind of eat away at you and, and stress you out. So uh, ooh, that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think it's also, you know, another thing that would parallel this with if they, if they ever decided that, you know, if the kids is something they want um, that they could be mindful of is sort of their way of, of handling their different views on how to raise and train and handle the puppy. It could also be a reflection of how they might differ in parenting And so if that's where the struggle is, like one is a little more strict about something than the other, that's probably going to be a point of contention later. And they can use that to kind of work through it. Um, You know, because we, you you don't realize how different your views on those things are until you have to raise something else with another person. You have to share their input. So um, it can be a good point for them to talk about but yeah I I, as far as like detrimental to mental health I don't know I think it would depend like I think in a very serious situation where like someone is completely unprepared and doesn't have the support to take care of their animal and something bad happens that could be very detrimental to someone's mental health I would imagine like an accident or you know the animal dies or the animal hurts them or or something like that um and then they might feel guilt from that and 
yeah potentially you know situations that could cause you know perhaps a traumatic experience um that the owner might not be prepared for mm -hmm. um, perhaps interaction with other dogs that can lead to you know a, a serious injury or something you know if you're going to a park um and the dog owner is not so experienced and not ready um for how a dog could interact with another dog you know if they get into a fight that can be a pretty traumatic experience I and mean, the, the people can get can get hurt as well um that that's all just kind of due to uh, a little bit of the overwhelmingness of uh, you know the overwhelming nature of, of you know the responsibility of a dog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, what got kind of going back to your book, kind of wrap you know things together. Um, what do you hope? It, when someone is reading this book or sharing it um, with, with their child or, or, you know, something like that, what are, where do you hope that they learn and take from this story? I hope they kind of uh, take from the story what I take from Stanley every day. And that's uh, just to kind of back up and to just kind of enjoy the small things. Um, and embrace the, those little happy moments. Um, Stanley, you know, and I kind of mentioned this in, in my note uh, to the, to the uh, readers there, Stanley just reminds me every day to smile and laugh. Um, and whether it's something small, like him doing something that makes me laugh, um, or, you know, just, just reminding me that, uh, that you know, there, there are bigger things in life than, uh, than what I'm currently stressing over. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, that Stanley provides that momentary pause for me to kind of get back to that, uh, that peaceful place, if you will. And uh, I hope that uh, this book and the story does the same for the readers. Yeah, that's very sweet. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good lesson for kids. I mean, for adults too, but it's, it is uh, something that you'd want to ingrain in in children's in a child's upbringing yeah hey happiness for all ages <laughs> as uh, as corny as that can sound <laughs> so where can people get this book uh it's available on amazon uh it's available as paperback or uh kindle edition uh, however is convenient for you and uh get the paperback there's actually even um some pages in the back for a uh, little little uh, activity fun uh, to create your own story so it's always good for the kids oh that i love that that's <laughs> awesome there's a a review such a cute book and gift idea for a kid who loves his doggo <laughs> for more of andy's work five stars so. oh that's precious <laughs> that absolutely I appreciate it. So do you think there will be more? Um, actually, uh, a friend of mine jokingly mentioned um, some offshoot possibilities of, of uh, all the things that Stanley could see, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it did make me think that, you know, I could, uh, I could make more stories even just down this same, uh, this same uh, you know, pipeline here. But uh, 
Now, one thing that I was thinking, um, I kind of made a list actually over um, this pandemic time of things that make me happy to kind of make sure that I'm doing some of these things every now and then. And, uh, you know, writing about the Stanley and writing this book uh, crossed three of them off the list. And uh, I realized, you know what, maybe writing is uh, something I should think about. So, uh, you know, maybe more books are on the horizon. <laughs> That's a good tip too. just keep keeping a list of things that make you happy. Um, to go back to in those times when it's really hard to feel that way. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that's so cool. Um, having a children's book is a big deal. And congratulations on, on, get, on accomplishing that. And um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll probably read it, even though I don't have kids, but I'll probably read it to my cat. I'm going to get it. I'll drop one by. <laughs> oh, sorry, Emily, you said what? Oh, I said, I'm going to buy it for my nephew. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, um, Andy, for being here with us. So people can, um, of course, find your book on Amazon. And we'll have um, that information on our Instagram as well, as long with, uh, along with um, your contact information if people want to reach out to you or follow you. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Definitely. Yeah. Do you want to share any contact information now? Or you don't have to. <laughs> um, I can. Uh, you like know, your email or something. Pass. Yeah, yeah. My, my email, absolutely. I'll pass that along for you guys um, to share in the Instagram or the post as well. But, uh, you know, uh, first initial last name is A. Eisenberg, E-I-S-E-N-B-E-R-G. 91 at gmail.com cool send me any notes or uh requests you might have and maybe we'll make some friends <laughs> great good. or just talk about your animals <laughs> absolutely we're wrapping up all righty sorry one second that's our show if you enjoyed this episode Please share with friends and family. And don't forget to follow the show's Instagram for updates on new episodes at Just Mental Health Podcast with a period between each word. We record a new episode every week. This is Steph. And M. Signing off. And Andy. And signing Andy. off. Thanks for listening. <laughs>